Luke 6, 46-49. Luke 6, 46-49 says, Why do you call Me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to Me and hears My words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You that... um, by Your Spirit, you, you teach us, You grow us, You sanctify us, You mature us. Um, we pray that You would do that for all of Your people who are here today, um, that You would grow us as we gather around Your Word, and that You would um, convict those who have never believed the Gospel, that You would help them to understand, see their need for Jesus for His work on the cross, and that they would put their faith in Him today. We pray that as we um, look at this passage together, You will do great work and we'll give You all of the glory for it. In Christ's name, Amen. Um, My son, Silas, he's my five-year-old, he is... Uh, playing in the in the local soccer league this spring, they have a five year old division, and, and Silas is five years old, and so he's just like the rest of my kids at that age is playing soccer. Now the thing about Silas is, uh, like all all of my kids, six, I have six kids, all of them are different. Some of them seemed when they were five, some of them seemed more ready for prime time than others, you know. Uh, they're all just different, you know. And Silas is his own dude. He's his own, he's his own dude. I was talking with Carla Ellis this morning, and she said that last week in Sunday school, Silas had two sucker, stick, or sucker sticks, and he put one in each nostril. Um, and then she, when she told him maybe not do that, he blew them out onto the floor and asked her to pick them up. Um, and so I, things like that um, make me wonder, is he ready for organized soccer? Is he ready for, is he ready for this? But then I, we, we started last, yesterday, we went out and he had his first game and I helped coach the little five-year-old team. He's, I mean, he fits right in. He's, I mean, he is in his element. They are all, some of them are bigger than him, but they're all like sucker stick, nose blower type people. I mean, this is just... He's, he's with his tribe. And uh, I, uh, I, I've coached five-year-old soccer. I think, I think I've coached like that, that, that Tykes division. I think I've coached it for every one of my kids so far. And it's always horrifying. And I always, and I'll probably do it with Haddon too. I'd, it's always a mess. There's all, I, I'm always saying things. Like I, I was talking with the other coach after the game yesterday. And he was like, I'm exhausted. I was like, I am too. This is what it means. Like, we will always be more tired after the game than the kids are because we're just kind of chasing them around and saying all kinds of things. All, I've said all kinds of stuff coaching five-year-old soccer over the years. You know, don't, uh, you, you can't just sit down for 15 minutes 
and pick dandelions and take the bouquet to your grandma. She loves it. Nobody else does. Don't, you can't, can't do that. You can't take the ball from your own teammate. You have to recognize that you have teammates. You can't just kick the ball way out of bounds just so no one else will get it. I had one year, I had one year, I think this was Pete's team. Everybody just fell down all the time. If anybody on the field fell down, my whole team would fall down. And they just thought it was the funniest thing. But the one thing I, I, I want to say that I've never been able to say to them, I've never said this to a five-year-old, but I've wanted to say it to every five-year-old I've ever coached, is this, don't call me coach. If you do, people are going to think you're on my team. And they're going to they're gonna think, I, I, I told you to do this stuff. I told you it was a good idea just to pick the ball up and run as far away from the blowing whistles as you could. They, they, people are going to think that you're with me. Don't do that. I mean, my name is on the sheet, but we're keeping that a secret. Don't tell, don't call me coach because you're not doing anything that I want you to do. This is what Jesus is saying to us today. He's saying, don't call me Lord. Don't call me King. Don't call me Master if you're not going to do what I tell you to do. Don't do it. We have four very simple, very straightforward points this morning to our sermon. And all of them are, are, here's what you do if you're going to call Jesus Lord. If you're going to call Jesus Lord, this is the way you must live. Here are things that you have to do. Now, before we get into those four points, what we have to say very clearly is that this sermon is not about how to become a Christian. Jesus is not telling us how to become a Christian. That is something different. To, to, to become a Christian, like we say a, a lot around here, you must trust Jesus as your Savior. You must believe that your own personal sin offends the God who created you. And, and you deserve His, His wrath, His punishment, His anger for your sin. And your only hope is Jesus Christ. It's your only hope to believe in that what Jesus Christ did on the cross is, is your only way to be forgiven of your sins, to be brought into God's family, to escape the ju- judgment you deserve. You must believe the Gospel. This is a, a glorious work of grace that God does in the hearts uh, of people who trust the Gospel, believe the Gospel. We're not, so we're, This sermon is not about that. It's not about becoming a Christian. If you have questions about that, please come talk to me. Find me. We'll talk about it. I want you to believe the Gospel. But this sermon is, if you have believed the Gospel, if you do belong to Christ, here's what your life will look like. Here's how we know that we belong to Jesus. Because if we belong to Jesus, we're going to live like we belong to Jesus. Jesus is saying, it's not enough just to call Me Lord. To call Me King. We, you need to act like I'm your king. You need to do what I tell you to do. So we have four points from our passage today. All of them helping us understand how we should live. So here's what we're to do if we're going to call Jesus Lord. Number one, you come to Him. Verse 46 and 47, Why do you call Me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to Me and hears my word and does them. 
I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation of the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. That person who is going to withstand the storms of life, who is going to be built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, the, 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 that person who Christ is their hope, Christ is their glory, Christ is their King forevermore, that, that person, first thing about them, they come to Jesus. They come to Jesus. Now this first point here is going to be the longest, this is going to be probably two-thirds of the sermon. Okay, This is a, this is a, um, a point that I labored over this week. All right, because it, it, it is something, as I read this and I prayed about it and I studied it, this became a huge burden on my heart. This is, uh, this is a big point and it's one that I really want us to think about and I really want you to see where I got this from the Bible. I don't always do a bunch of like proof texting. I don't always do all that because we, we want to get through the text that we have. But I want you to think with me and see where I got this from Scripture. Because we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to come to Jesus? What does it mean to, to actively submit to the, to the authority of Jesus Christ? What does it mean for Jesus to be our Lord? What does it mean to come to Him? In the, in the first century, this would have been very straightforward. You just, you see where Jesus is and you go to Him. That's not, I mean, that's, it's pretty clear. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be Jesus' disciple, His follower, if it's gonna be clear to everyone around you that you are submitting to His teaching, His authority, His way of life, then you go to where He is and you, and you be with Him and you listen to Him and you follow Him. In, in our century though, in the year 2021, the, the way you do that, the way you come to Jesus now is this. You're doing it right now. As we physically gather with our physical bodies in the same location in a local church and worship God together on Sunday morning, we are coming to Jesus. We are coming to where His authority is. His authority is here with us today in a way that it's not anywhere else. If we are going to come to Jesus in the year 2021, we have to come to church. We have to physically gather together. Now, where do I get that? Where do I, where do I get that from Scripture? Why is it such a big burden to me right now? Let's look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. I want to take a serious look at a passage that sometimes we just look at one or two verses of it and we miss the whole thing. And so we really miss what the passage is about. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. This is, this is great. This is, this is if, your, if your brother or sister in Christ, if a fellow Christian has sinned against you, if they've wronged you, then you go and you talk to them about it. You don't talk about other people about it. You go right to them and you talk to them about it. If they listen, if they repent, if they, if they say that they're sorry, then you've gained your brother. It's good. Reconciliation. It's awesome. Verse 16. But if he does not listen, take one or two 
um, others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So then you bring a couple witnesses with you. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, and this is where it gets important for what we want to talk about today, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, which is code for someone who doesn't belong to Jesus, someone who's not trying to worship God. Let him, let him be to you. We're just going to kind of count him as someone who could care less about the Gospel. Which, which means he would have to be removed from fellowship. Verse 18, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, this is still in the context of what happens in the local church, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Jesus is saying, I am with you when you gather as the local church. There is authority there that's not anywhere else. The church has this Ability. The church has this authority given to it by Jesus Christ that allows them to count someone as a, as a non-believer. There is, there is great authority here. If you, if you have something, if, if, your, if your brother or sister has sinned against you, and if, and if you have to, if you talk to them, that doesn't work. You bring witnesses, that doesn't work. You take it to the church. The church has been invested with authority from Jesus Christ to, to remove them from fellowship. There, and, and, and that's because, verse 20 says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. That is referring directly to church. The local church. This isn't about like if you have a couple people at your house and you're hanging out and you're, you're praying and reading Scripture together. This is not about if you email or you text prayer requests to someone. All of that stuff is good. We should be doing all of that stuff. But this is talking about the church. It's about the, it's about the local church gathered together. There's the authority of Jesus Christ is here in a way that He's not anywhere else. Any other kind of organization, any kind of other fellowship, or anything else you might have. And the teaching of the New Testament is clear. Church is a weekly event where, where we come and we gather together. 1 Corinthians 16 tells us it's the first day of the week. We come and we gather together. Hebrews 10.25 says, we are not to neglect to meet together. We are commanded to physically gather at church. The church in the New Testament is always a physical gathering. It's bodies together in the same location. It's people together worshiping and fellowshipping and singing and encouraging each other and serving together and hearing the Word taught and preached together and praying together. Now, now the thing we have to think about today there's so, many, there's so many reasons this is relevant right now. This is why I'm making a huge deal of it. I'm, I'm belaboring the point, as it were, because, because of the where we live right now. What, the, the technological advances we have right now. The options we have right now. The, the constraints we have on our time right now. We have to think together about this. This has to be important to us. So, so Jesus didn't have a podcast. He didn't have a, a Facebook page. He didn't have a YouTube channel. Jesus wasn't a YouTube influencer, right? We don't know, we don't know, we don't have anything on record for Jesus talking about the internet and virtual church. 
We don't, we don't have that. But, let's think together this morning. I think it's clear. I think it's clear, and I'm, and I'm willing to, um, I'm absolutely um, willing, and I'd love to, um, if, you're, if you don't see it, to, to talk with you more about it this week. But, but I think it's clear, you cannot obey the spirit of Hebrews 10.25, the command to not neglect to meet together. You cannot obey what the author of Hebrews had in mind. You, you cannot obey the spirit of the commands to greet one another affectionately. You, cannot, you, you absolutely cannot obey the spirit of singing to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You cannot obey the spirit of the command to share in the Lord's Supper together. You cannot obey the spirit of the commands of the New Testament unless you come to church. Unless you physically gather together. And there are many, many reasons why this is such a big deal. And I know I'm going to talk with, I'm talking about two of the things that you're thinking about right now, that you might be thinking about. And if you're not, I, I, I'm, I, I get to plant some doubt in your mind, so that's good. Anyhow, one of the things, oh, you and Colin just want more people here. No. There's like 170 people here. That's like having six kids. I'm not going to give any of them away, but I've, I'm not bored, all right? I have, we, I have an, I'm going to give a count for the way I shepherded you, the way I cared for you. I'm going to stand before God and give an account for what I said to you and how I said it. I don't want more. I mean, if more people show up, that's great. It's great. If we accidentally pop out in a couple more kids, that's fine. I want you guys to delete that, not only technologically, but just from your memory. But Colin and I are not bored. We're not bored. We have a lot of people to care for. And we want to do it better than we're doing it. We want, to have, we, want to, we want to care for and shepherd. We want to get better at shepherding the people that God has given to First Baptist. I'm not trying to drum up more people. And the, the other thing, the other thing is everybody's thinking, what about COVID? What about pandemic? And as you, as you know full well, if you've ever talked to me about this, I'm not going to make a blanket statement. I, I don't think Steve and Jody Hopper are here, so I'm, I'm going to use them as an example. Jody Hopper had, had breast cancer. She went through radiation and chemotherapy. For me to stand up and say, oh, everybody should do this, or everybody should do that, or everybody should think the same way about COVID, I'm, not, I'm absolutely not going to do that. I'm not going to. Absolutely not. She and Steve were very wise to limit their contact during that. Absolutely. There's all kinds of situations like that. We have all kinds of situations in this room and listening to this on Facebook, on a podcast. I understand that full well. I'm not going to make a blanket statement about how to respond to a pandemic. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. But what we have to do here is we have to see from the Bible that the, that the authority of Jesus Christ is invested in the local church in a way that he hasn't invested anywhere else. When, when This afternoon, after this service, it's probably going to be, I don't know, when I'm done preaching, three, four hours from now, we're going to do a members meeting, a business meeting, and we're going to vote in new members. When we're doing that, when we're doing that, 
We are, we are investing these people, these new people in our church, we're investing them with authority. We're, we're saying, we believe that you are following Christ, that you are trusting and following Christ. We believe that. And, and we believe that, that when it comes time to make decisions as a church, to vote on things that are important to the whole body, when we, when we, when it maybe even, I hope it never happens, but if it does, where we have to vote to remove someone from our fellowship, and I, I pray that never happens here, but if it does, we trust the people of our church to, to make wise, Christ-honoring decisions. We are in, we are, you, if you are a member of our church, you are invested with authority, with responsibility. Jesus, Jesus is doing something through His local churches. He doesn't do anywhere else. And so we have to think about that. When we're deciding what to prioritize in our lives, when we're deciding how to figure out what we should do, what's the best plan of action for our family, what's the best way we should handle our lives, we have to ask ourselves. We, this, this forces us. We have to ask ourselves, am I doing everything I can to faithfully physically gather with my local church? Am I doing everything I can? Because if you're going to call Jesus Lord, then you must come to Jesus. And if you're going to come to Jesus in the year 2021, it means you have to come to church. That's where His authority is. And again, I want to say it very clearly. I mean, it, it, this is this is for if you have if you have all kinds of COVID concerns, or if you could care less about COVID. Sometimes we don't even COVID is not even a big deal. We just find ourselves not faithful to church for other reasons. Whatever it is that's going on, and you, I want you to think about your own life, and I want you to think about Jesus Christ investing authority and calling us to come together every Sunday. I want you to think about that. How do we navigate that? I'm not going to make any blanket statements, but I am going to strongly urge you to ask yourself Am I doing everything I can to faithfully, physically gather with, with God's people? That was number one. You come to Him. Number two, you hear His words. You hear His words. Everyone, he says, verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words. You have to listen to the words of Jesus. Again, in the, in the, in the days of, oh, in the days of, of, of Luke, in the first century, when, when the, the disciples are following Jesus around, this is really straightforward. When Jesus talks, you listen. It's really straightforward. In the 21st century, it's also pretty straightforward. You go to where His Word is being taught and you listen. So, so you show up at church and you pay attention when the Word of God is being taught. I will tell you, and, and those of you who know me well know this is, this is just true for me, I am not good at paying attention. I'm not good at listening. When I sit down, I, I, my, um, my mom was not a big believer in modern medicine. She was a big believer in this wooden spoon she used as a paddle. That was her big... That was her. So, so I, if she would have been a big believer in modern medicine, I probably would have been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD or something like that. Um, but she never let a doctor decide that. Um, so she, so she was a big paddle person. So anyhow, um, which you know, 
different strokes for different folks, I guess. Um, but I probably have ADD. My wife is quite sure I have ADD. I probably do. I know I'm sitting at, sometimes I go to a, a big pastor's conference, and like these are the best, like, these are the best preachers that I know of at this pastor's conference. There's like 8,000 guys there. They're all listening to this. And, and I, I don't mean these, these preachers are just like funny or like, you know, they're good communicators or whatever. I mean, they're just good. They're good, faithful pastors in their own church. And they're just, they're faithful to scripture. And they're, they're theologically sound. They're, they're just good preachers. I don't, I don't mean it like a flippant way. I mean, these are good, these are good sermons probably, but I'm not listening. I have no idea. I mean, everybody else around me is furiously taking notes, so it's probably a good sermon. I'm sitting there like thinking, if I had a tennis ball, I bet I could hit him. I bet I could. I wonder how many, I wonder how many times it would take me, tries, I, I just hit him right on the forehead. What would happen if I did that? And then the sermon's over and we're like leaving, and I'm just like, oh, I, and they're like, that was great, wasn't it? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's whoo. I'm like crying, you know. I don't listen well. I don't listen well. So this is Jesus to people like me and to people like you. If you're good at listening, this is Jesus to all of us saying, if you're going to call me Lord, you're going to show up where my word is being taught and you're going to listen. So this tells us a couple of things, right? First, it tells us what kind of church you should be a part of. This tells us what kind of church you should be a part of. You, you have to be a part of a church where the word of God is being taught. To come to Jesus, like our big part, I'm not going to get back into that, but to come to Jesus is to come to where His Word is being taught. It's not just showing up at any local church, even if you do it faithfully. It's not just that. It's, it's showing up at a lo- local church where the Word of God is being opened and explained and taught and applied to our life. It's like, it's where the Word of God is. If you, uh, if you think, you know, this last, in, in point number one, that I was kind of like snooping around in people's business. I was, I was meddling in your life. I was getting a little judgy. If you think I enjoyed that, you think I live for that kind of stuff, then you don't know me very well. But here's one thing I want to be committed to. Um, Colin wants to be committed to. Our elders, our Sunday school teachers. Here's what we want to be committed to. We want to be, able, be committed to to preaching and teaching what the Word of God says and what it means. We want to do it as faithfully as we possibly can. We're, we, we, like I've said before, we're investing new members this afternoon with, with authority. And, and, and they also have the responsibility to, to hold their teachers and pastors accountable. If the, if the members of First Baptist Church start hearing wonky things from the pulpit, that you, if, if you hear me say stuff and you're just like, man, I have no idea where in the Bible you got that from. That seems crazy to me. Then you need to send me an email or a text or, or come talk to me. And if that doesn't work, you need to get some other elders and, and leaders involved. And if that doesn't work, you need to bring it before the church because we don't want to be confused about this. If the the pastors and teachers at First Baptist aren't committed to the Word of God, then, then we need to either get out or shut the place down. This is all we have is the Word of God. So this tells you, one, it tells you what kind of church you should be a part of, and it also tells you how hard you should work at listening to the teaching and preaching. Jesus makes a huge deal out of this. If it helps, take notes. If it helps, listen to it again later in the week. Discuss it with, the, with your family at lunch. Ask the preacher questions if you didn't quite get something. Work hard. 
And maybe for you it is, it's like me, it's hard work to listen to, to sermons. This is what the person who calls Jesus Lord must do. They must listen to His words. That's number two. And then number three, you obey His words. Everyone who comes to Me and hears My words and does them. And does them. So it's not enough to come to even a really good church. And it's not enough to, to, to listen intently. You have to obey Jesus. You have to obey His Word. You have to do what He tells you to do in His Word. You can't just lust after anybody you want to lust after. You can't just sleep with anybody you want to sleep with. You, you sleep with your spouse. That's it. And that spouse has to be someone from the opposite gender. You can't marry someone from your own gender. And by gender, I mean, and Scripture means, the gender you were born with. Your, your poor mother gave birth to you, and, and after that happened, the doctor said it's a boy or it's a girl. The doctor knew it was a girl. Let me tell you how. I want to do biology. She, he knew it was a girl because he comes out wanting to have meaningful conversations. And the child comes out wanting like a sandwich and a remote control. You got the other kind of human. No, that's, that's not funny. Okay, anyhow. But if you want to call Jesus your Lord, then you do sex and marriage the way He commands you to. You do all of life the way He commands you to. You don't get to choose who you're going to be kind to. You don't get to choose when you're going to gossip and when you're not. When it's acceptable and when it's not. You don't get to decide whether you're going to be a generous person or a greedy person. You don't get to choose when it's okay to lie or cheat or steal or be lazy. You don't get to be jealous or envious or arrogant or self-righteous because Jesus says, don't do that! If you're going to do that stuff, then don't call Me Lord! Don't call Me Lord if you're going to do all that! You have to hear His words and you have to obey. This is what it means to call Him Lord. And then finally, and finally, number four, be ready for the storm. Be ready for the storm. Let me read our verses again. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, because floods are absolutely going to arise, the the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the the one who hears and, and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So the person who calls Jesus Lord and and lives like it, means it. The person who comes to Jesus and listens to Him and does what Jesus tells him, and this is Jesus' great kindness to us, will be like the man who is building a house upon the rock. The man who is ready for the storm. I guarantee the storm is coming. Absolutely. And our only hope is Jesus Christ. He alone is our solid rock. He, we're going to sing in a few minutes, He alone is our sure and steady anchor. He is our glory. He is our hope. Only those who are built upon the rock of Christ will stand when the storm 
comes and the storm is coming. So there's going to be all kinds of small storms between now and the big storm. The big storm is coming. We'll talk about that in a second. But I promise you there's going to be all kinds of small storms between now and then. There's going to be sickness and troubles and and broken friendships and misunderstandings and doubts and fears. There's going to be all kinds of small storms. And then the big storm is coming. God's judgment will come for everyone the living and the dead. And only those who are hiding in Christ will be saved. Only those who are built upon the rock of Christ will be saved. He is our only hope. That's that's how we know if we have trusted Christ as our Savior. If we have truly believed the Gospel. If we have every right to call Him Lord. This is how we know we are saved. Jesus is our only hope to be sheltered from the judgment of God. And so what Jesus is saying to us in this passage, if that's your story, if you belong to Me, if you are trusting in Me alone to save you from the wrath to come, if that's your story, if I'm your only hope in life and death, then then your loyalty will be obvious in your life. So you coming to Jesus and hearing Jesus and and doing what Jesus says, that doesn't save you, but it does show that you have been saved, that God has done this miraculous work in your heart. If by God's grace, Jesus is your only hope, and you've been given a, a desire to follow Him as King and follow Him as Lord, it will show up in your life. It will show up in my life. It doesn't mean that we're free from sin. But it does mean that we hate our sin. When our sin is pointed out to us, when we see it, we hate it, and we want to turn away from it. It doesn't mean that we're perfectly mature, but it does mean that we are growing in maturity. It doesn't mean that we get everything right, but we're going to want to. More and more and more in our lives, we're going to want to align ourselves with the Word of God. We're going to commit ourselves to coming to Jesus, to hearing His words, and to doing them, to showing everyone in our lives that He is our solid rock. He is our sure and steady anchor. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We pray that You would help us um, to see the commands of Jesus clearly and to, and just to do the hard, humble, sometimes excruciating work of of asking ourselves, are there ways I need to obey Jesus and I'm just not doing it? Are there ways that I call Jesus Lord, but I'm not really doing what He says? I pray that that would start with me, God. I pray that by Your grace, by Your Spirit, you You would continue to show me ways where I'm not doing what Jesus has told me to do. I pray that You would show me that, God, and then You give me the courage to repent and, and to change and to obey so that You would sanctify me. I pray that You do that for all of us here. And if there's somebody who here today, God, who, who Jesus isn't their sure and steady anchor, they're not trusting in Jesus to, to, to save them. He's not the solid rock on which they're... He's not, he's not their shelter. I, I pray, God, that you would, you would help them to understand, that You would cause them to see, that You would shine into their heart the glory of of, of yourself in the face of Jesus Christ, that they would understand 
that, that, that Jesus and his work on the cross is what they need to be saved from, from all the ways they've sinned against you. We thank you that Jesus Christ is our sure and steady anchor. He is, he is the one that when we grow and when we that when we grow and we serve and we love and we do what we're supposed to do, He is the one who gets all of the glory. And when we when we recognize by Your grace that we haven't been obeying and we need to change. We thank You that in those moments He is the one who gets all the glory. We thank You that if there's trials and temptations and failings and repentances and prayers and, and begging for mercy and growing in godliness, the, the, the full gamut of the Christian life is all and only because Jesus Christ is our sure and steady anchor. He is our only hope. Help us to rejoice in that and help us more and more and more to to do what Jesus tells us to do because He is our great Savior. It's in His name we pray. Amen.